Merry Christmas, everybody. Welcome to the Vineyard. Welcome to those of you joining us online. We're very glad to have you with us to uh, celebrate Christmas. All that it means, don't forget, Thursday evening, candlelight services at 4.36 and 7.30. We'll also be webcasting them, live streaming them, however you want to say that. So if you can't make it, they'll all be there. Uh, people always ask me what's going to be, what are the busiest ones? We never know. It changes every year. But um, I, I don't, you know, it's in this season, I don't think any of them are going to be overly packed. So uh, you should be good at all of them. And uh, it'll be fun. And we have candles and, yeah, we have uh, all that good fun stuff. So some great music, lots of good music. So you want to put that on your list either to be here or to watch us online. All right, we are... Uh, in the Advent season, and as I told you last week, actually we're four weeks in, but there are four main topics that I usually cover during Advent. Those are hope and peace and joy and love. And I said they tie into bigger concepts. Hope and glorification go together, peace and justification, joy and sanctification, love and salvation. And today, as you can see, I want to talk about love, or we're going to talk about salvation and all that that means. I realized that the week before uh, I hopped into the Advent series, I had just talked about justification and peace uh, in Galatians 2.2. So we covered that. We talked about hope last week. Going to talk about love this week. Next weekend, I'm going to talk about joy because I figured that would be pretty important heading into a new year. Wanted to make sure you were filled up on all those things that heading into 2021, you got lots of hope and you got lots of peace and you got lots of love and you got lots of joy. So... That's how we're going to work that out. But as I said, today we're going to talk about love, salvation, rescue, recovery, reconciliation. So that's where we are heading. Bad joke time. These are quite bad, but I'm enjoying them. I, uh, because of that time of the year, I was reading a big heavy copy of that book, A Christmas Carol. I was standing up while I was reading it, and I accidentally dropped it right on my foot. Hurt like the dickens. Speaking of authors, Stephen King has a son named Joe. I'm not joking, but he is. This is the one Alice tried to ban. The toddler pooped his pants, but kept on playing undeterred. Undeterred. That's the one you're going to remember. <laughs> it's right on the edge. Sorry. All right, last last couple. So years and years ago, what started all the joke things was a joke I did at Christmas about two snowmen. And so I have to do it every Christmas. And you guys know this joke because we've done coffee cups with it, and I've done it every year for years and years and years. What did one snowman say to the other snowman? Do you smell carrots? Probably the funniest joke ever. It is. It's, it is. It is easily one of the best jokes of all time. Um, uh, so it's very hard to top that. But I thought I would toss in one more snowman joke for this year. What do you call a snowman with a six-pack? An abdominal snowman. Wow. <laughs> Alice, rescue me. They're about to turn against me. I'm not sure I can move forward after that joke. We had one rule for jokes. 
Yes. We no, have one, one rule. No potty humor. But I was undeterred. He was undeterred. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> he usually previews the jokes for me during the week. He didn't preview that one, so. Because she would have deterred me. Merry Christmas, y'all. Let's pray before we read the word together, shall we? Lord, let your kingdom come. Just let it fall upon us this morning. We thank you for your presence during worship, Father. And I just ask that you would continue to minister to our hearts this morning. Father, I ask for each one of us here, Lord, that we would truly know you this Christmas as Emmanuel. God with us. Bless each family here. Bless each person here. Bless all of those watching online today. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which is God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Blessed be the word of God. You can be seated. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And that's what we'll be talking about as we talk about love at Christmas and what salvation means. But before we get into that, I want to I wanna take you on a, a little other sort of scriptural journey. And so, um, just so you know, I'm, I, I'm not going to get to point number one until we're about 20 minutes in, okay? But then they'll go really quick. So I just want to... Uh, if anybody, like sometimes visitors will come in and if I've talked for 20 minutes and haven't got to point one, they're like, we're going to be here. I'm so hungry. When Will they ever stop? So I just want to calm you with that. I know what time it is. I know where we're at and it'll work. Once we get to point number one, it'll go. But I wanted to add this <clears throat> other thing. And I was thinking, I've been thinking all week about Christmas lights and the light of Christmas and the light of Christ and what that means. Part of that was triggered because uh, last week we had a fun thing, uh, the family and some friends, we went and did one of those trolley rides around Key West and looked at all the lights down there. And it's really cool to, to see the lights and there's something about lights at Christmas that grab your attention. There's something about them that, that just seem to make you sort of stop and pause and wonder. And the big connection for us and why lights become so important at Christmas is because Jesus is the light of the world. 
And, and my hope is that whenever you see lights at Christmas, that's what you're going to think of, that Jesus is the light of the world. Now, that idea ties into the bigger story that we've been talking about for the last many, many months. And this passage isn't in your notes, or it won't come up online. But um, you've heard me talk about it lots of times in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. You know, it's a very famous, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things that were made were made through Him. Nothing was made without Him. Verse 4 says, in Him was life, and that uh, life was the light of mankind. And so there's something very big there, that life was the light of mankind. It goes on in verse 9 and it says, The true light that gives light to everyone was to come into the world, was coming into the world in Jesus. And so this idea of the light of Christmas really helps us, you know, illumine uh, the scripture. And, and so if you go back to the beginning of the story, I made a big joke last week with, uh, cause we were at another church a week before on a visit and, uh, the, the young man who was preaching there went all the way back to Genesis 1 in his Christmas message and afterwards Alice said to me, you're not going back to Genesis 1 for your Christmas message, are you? And I said, no, and I went back to Genesis 3. However, today I'm going back to Genesis 1 because it's good to know the whole story. I don't know if you ever noticed it before when you're reading the creation account, but Moses records and he's careful to report that light shined before the sun and the stars were created. This light appears in the third verse of Genesis 1. And the sun and the stars and the moon don't pop into verse 14. And a lot of people have puzzled over that and go, well, what's going on? What's the light? Well, because we know the whole story, here's a connection that you can make. See, we know from Revelation 21, and we spend a lot of time talking about new heaven coming down to earth and new creation. And one of the things that happens, it says in there, there won't be any sun anymore because the Lamb will be the light. And I've told you lots and lots of times that what's happening there, what our hope is, and in that verse, is when new heaven comes to new earth, everything is restored and renewed. And it's like it was back in creation, in that cosmic temple there. And so before the sun, before God created any of that light, Jesus is the real light that entered the scene. And it was the word that came back then, and this light happened, and it's going to be the light that we have At the end, when everything restored. And so, what you need to understand is this, that light doesn't come originally from the sun, S-U-N. It comes originally and uniquely from the sun, S-O-N. And every time you see Christmas lights, I'm hoping it just reminds you of the story from beginning to end, and that Jesus is the light of the world, and that in him is life, and this light that he has makes all of that make sense for us. See, because without that light, you'll never really understand what life is all about. And I wonder all the time, I know you've heard me say these things before, but even this crazy year that we've had, how are people doing this without Jesus? I don't know. I just don't know. It's only in Jesus that that we can really have hope and hang on through difficult circumstances and all those things. And so this idea that I want to talk about today now about Christmas love and salvation has to do with coming to know this light and understanding this light in your own life. And and so that's ultimately where the Christmas story and then the, the Easter story all make a big difference. And Jesus makes this amazing statement when it comes to Christmas. Somebody asks you what Christmas is about, if you're looking for a Christmas verse, here's one for you. It might be in an unlikely place. It's in Luke 19.10. I think this is Christmas in a nutshell. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save 
the lost. That's really the, the idea of the Christmas story and what's going on and what it's all about. Jesus didn't come to be a baby. Jesus came to live the perfect life, the sinless life that none of us could live. That's why he came. He came to tell people about who God was and introduce them to the kingdom of God. He came then to take on all of our consequences from choosing to go our own way and he took all of them to the cross. It's why he came. And then he took all of that mess and all of that consequence and all of that sin and all that garbage down left it down there, defeated death. That was the, the power that the enemy had. You know that he defeated death and then he rose Again, And when he did, everything changed. New creations started and we're moving towards those amazing promises that we have. That's what Christmas, the Christmas story, really leads us to. And, and, and so Jesus says, I have come to seek and to save what was lost. So you might read that and you may not understand what exactly is he talking about. You know, what does it mean to be lost? And we're going to spend a few moments on that. And then at the very end, if something is lost, what does it mean to be found? So we're going to look at that together. So both of these things are kind of described for us in an amazing chapter in Scripture. Uh, and these ideas of lost and found are mentioned at least ten times. So you could call it the lost and found chapter. And if you haven't connected with it yet, it's in Luke chapter 15. And I want to look. There's three stories in Luke chapter 15 that we're going to talk about today as we talk about the love of God and salvation and lost and found and all that it means. So let's hop right in to these stories. The very first one is called the story of the lost sheep. It begins in verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So here's the story. There's a shepherd. He's got a hundred sheep. Loves his sheep. Cares about his sheep. He takes them out every day. Makes sure that there's plenty of good green grass and lots of fresh water so they can do all the sheepy things that they need to do. <laughs> there's a lot more to that story, but I don't have time for it. And then... At night, he's going to take, you know, make sure they're all safe. And, and so he begins to put them in a pen and he's counting them as he goes, you know. And so he's going 50, 51, 50. You ever wonder how they don't just fall asleep while they're doing that? <laughs> anyway, 97, 98, 99. He's missing one. What does he do? He doesn't go, oh, well, I got 99. I'm good. He, he drops everything and goes after the one that was lost. He searches throughout the night to find the lost sheep. And when he does, it's time to celebrate. It's time to party. Because it was lost, and now it's found. And that's the story of the lost sheep. And then we move into the story of the lost coin. And uh, this is verse 8 and following, or suppose... A woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels over, of God over one sinner who repents. So now you've got a story of this woman. She has these ten coins. 
for whatever reason, whatever circumstance, she's lost one. It's been knocked off. Something's happened. She can't find it. Uh, it would be a difficult procedure to find it. You know, dirt floors back then usually covered in straw. Something gets down in there. You, you, and she, she has to literally tear the house apart to find this coin. But it's worth it. She doesn't just go, well, I lost a coin, but I've still got nine more. I'm good. She does what she needs to until she finds the coin. And then she finds a coin. And what does she do? She lets her friends know, I found it. Come on, we, we need to celebrate. Let's have a party over that. And so that's the story of the lost coin. Well, the third story is the story of the lost son or the prodigal son. I like to call it the story of the loving father. And we're just going to touch on it. I, I could spend months talking about just this story. And I think in the past I have. But uh, we'll just do the Christmas version today. Verse 11, Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them, and not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out, go back to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, uh, Father, I have I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now, just so you get the the idea of the depth of this story. In effect, what's happened is the younger son has um, gotten tired of hanging around there. And he's basically, by going to his father and asking his share of the inheritance, what he's saying is, look, I'm tired of waiting around for you to die because you're taking too long. Just give me what's mine now. You need to catch the level of insult that's happening here to the father. And culturally, what a big deal that was, just as it would be today, but even bigger then. And the father actually acquiesces in the story and gives him half. And and the the son kind of little, you know, wanting to go and do his own thing. uh, He takes the money and he takes off. And he squanders it, it says, in the, I love the Bible, it says in, in riotous living. You, you can go look that up. Um, he, he, and he spends all his money, runs out of money. And at the same time he runs out of money, there's a famine that hits the land. And he's hungry. He has no food. Uh, he's got no family. He's got no friends. And so he's got to get a job in the place where he lives. And the only job that he can find is feeding pigs. You need to understand, again, culturally, that that is not a good job for a young Jewish man. To go out and feed pigs. That's all he get. And he's so hungry. Pig food looks really good. I don't know if you've ever seen pig food. But that's pretty hungry. Alright. <laughs> and he can't even have that. And then he comes to his senses. See that's the big deal. What does it mean he comes to his senses? It means he's realized that living his way. There was no life in living his way. That, that it just wasn't going to work. And that the father's way was the right way all along. And so he comes to his senses. 
And he goes, oh, man, I really messed this up. You know, I can never go back and be a son again because I've insulted my father to, to this place. But maybe, just maybe, if I say just the right thing, maybe, maybe he'll take me back as a hired servant because they've got it better than this. And at least I'd be sort of around it. And so he comes to his senses. He, he repents and he starts walking back to the father. And, and the neatest part of that picture to me is that while it says that while he's still a long way off, the father sees the son. What that means is the father was watching the whole time, hoping that this was going to happen, waiting for this to happen. And then, again, he, the father does something unheard of in that they wouldn't have run anyway. It wouldn't have happened. But, and and he's, the way he's dressed and everything, you've got to, he, hitches his, he picks up the, hitches his robe up, whatever you call that. They don't have a robe, so I don't know. But, you know. Oh, that looks funny on camera. Sorry. <laughs> I've, I've done this four times now. Everything is... Okay, so. Hitches his robe up. And he goes running to his son. Filled with compassion. And the son's busy trying to get this big message he's got all figured out. You know, just, that, I know I messed up and I know I can't. And the, and the, the father, he's not even hearing it. See, the, the repentance happened when he came to his senses and turned back. That's all the father was looking for. The father just hugs him, kisses him, welcomes him home. That's all that matters. And then he says, let's go celebrate. My son was, he was like dead to me, but now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. These are amazing stories that happen about lost and found here in Luke 15. And there's a common denominator in all three of those stories. I hope you caught it. They all end in a party. They all end in a party. And, and see, to me, Christmas is this big party of, of the celebration of, of God making a way for all of us who are lost, which is all of us, to be found once again, Jesus says, I've come to seek and save the lost. So those three stories, the story of the lost son and the lost sheep and the lost coin, represent ways that all of us get lost. So uh, it's our nature, it's our circumstance, and it's our choices. And so the, the story of the lost sheep, it's, it's our, it's, we're prone to wander from God. There's a great hymn that we sing sometimes about that. Prone to wander, right? We're, it's our nature. We're prone to wander. We keep thinking that there's greener pastures over there. That happens. It's our circumstance. Just like the losing something, you know. Sometimes um, we, we can get to a place where our circumstances cause us to become bitter towards God. And uh, the last one, you know, the, the lost son. Uh, and I, I, I get used to this. I mean, this is what I can really relate to. I don't know about you. But we get lost because we make stupid choices. Somebody related to it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Everybody related. Here's the thing about lostness. Um, does a lost sheep lose its value? Uh-uh. Does a lost coin lose its value? No. See, see value... It still had value even though it was lost on this whole thing. And here's, here's the deal. See, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's what the Bible would be talking about as to being lost. It means that, that you've gone your own way and you are, you're, not, you're, you're far from the Father. But, but just because you're lost doesn't mean that you have value. In fact, lostness actually implies an, an, an infinite value. 
Because if, if it didn't matter that you were lost, no one would come to rescue you, find you, seek you out, do all those things. It wouldn't be a big deal. But it is. It's a huge deal. Jesus himself has come to find you. And, and whatever someone is willing to spend, really, to recover something shows how valuable it is. And so you need to make sure that you get this, because we've all gone our own way. We've all gotten lost, whether it's our nature, our circumstances, or our stupid choices. We've all done that. And God himself has made a way. See, when, when we did that, when we went our own way, it separated us from the Father. And, and perfect, holy God, we, we can't get back there. No matter the speeches we come up with, no matter all the good things that we do, we can't ever get back to that place of perfect, holy God. We have a big problem. But that's the amazing story that we pick up in, in Christmas and, and with Easter, is that God comes. See, we can't get back, but he comes to us. Fully God, fully man. Jesus arrives on the scene, as I told you. And what he does is, he takes on all of that mess. He lives that perfect life that we couldn't. Takes on all that horrible mess, all of the consequence, all the guilt, all the shame. And then takes it to the cross. And there on the cross, remember, he dies. And he pays for all of that mess. Then he defeats death and rises again. And when he does that, he makes a way back for all of us possible. Because all we need to know is that Jesus has done that and, and believe in our heart, confess with our heart, Jesus is Lord. And at that moment and from then on, God chooses to see us in the perfection of his son and we've been reconciled to God. Life is different. And see, that's the idea of being found. I broke it into three things. I told you I'd get to point one. It only took 24 minutes. Rescued. We're rescued. In the same way that the shepherd goes after a lost sheep to rescue it, because it would not last on its own in the wild. Sheep cannot take care of themselves. They're just prey. The shepherd went after to rescue the sheep. Jesus comes to rescue you. First Timothy 2, 5 and 6. For there is one God... And one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people, the testimony given in its proper time. All of us, as I said, we all, we've all gone our own way. That was the issue. And Jesus has come in order that we could be rescued. If we could have done it in ourselves, we would have. And we couldn't. We couldn't make it work. So Jesus came for us. And that's a big deal. He's also come uh, so that we could be recovered. Recovered, And this is just like that the story of, of the woman who lost the coin. She's searching for that lost coin. Um, she's missing it and wants it back in her life. And she goes through a great deal to find it once again. And, and there are things in our own lives that, that we need to recover. And, and there are things that Jesus wants us to help us to recover so that we can experience full and abundant life now and forever. I love this verse. This is out of the message paraphrase. It's Matthew eleven twenty. I think it might apply for this season because a lot of people are getting tired and weary, even though it's Christmas. Are you tired? And some of you might go, amen. Worn out? Uh-huh. Burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover. Your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. How to have your soul at rest. How to be at peace. How to have hope. How to have joy. How to know love. That's what Jesus wants to do with us. And, and you, what do you need to recover? Well, you, some of you may need to recover your strength. Some of you may need to recover your confidence. Some of you may need to recover your hope. Some of you may need to recover your joy. Some of you may need to recover your innocence or your relationship or whatever it might be. But Jesus wants to help you with that. He's come that we might have life 
and have it to the full. He's come not only to rescue us, he's come not only to recover us, he's also come so that we can be reconciled. And I've touched on that throughout this uh, message already. But it's just like the father running out to his son. This very son who had insulted him and said, I don't care about you, God. I'm just going to do it my way and, and I don't matter. And then all of a sudden realizes that that's a big, huge mistake because his way didn't work. And he, he comes to his senses. He's trying to figure out what to say. And I think a lot of people are like that. They've gone their own way and they, they hesitate coming to God, coming back to God even, because they think that God's going to scold them, that somehow God is mad at them. And I want to tell you, I promise you God is not mad at you. God is mad about you. And that's the heart of Christmas. And that's the love of Christmas. All the Father wants is to be in relationship with His children. That's what the entire big story is all about. It's what we've talked about over and over again. Second Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. When you give your life to Jesus, he sees you as new. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. This Christmas, there's a gift available to you. It's available all the time, but at Christmas it seems to be even more appropriate that we talk about it. And too many people just allow Christmases to come and go with ever unwrapping the most amazing gift. And that's the gift of knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because of everything that it does for your life, it rescues you, it recovers you, and it reconciles you to God. And I don't want you to miss another Christmas and the meaning of what it's all about. And so the, the, the Bible tells us that the way that we do this, the way that we know the light, the way that all these things happen, the way that we receive this love, the way that we come to our senses, is that we believe in our heart, Jesus is Lord, and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We believe in everything that he's done for us in that part of the story, and with our mouth we confess Jesus is Lord. That's our part. That's what we do. That's how you open the best gifts ever given. Best gift ever given. And if you've never done that, I want you to do it today. Here in the room or watching online. If you just say, Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? And I pray that you do that. I pray if you're online that you do that if you haven't. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? Because that changes everything. And if you've done it for the first time, I want to know, okay? And the way we've come up for now for, for dealing with this stuff is that if you've done that online, in here, whatever, just text the word HEART, H-E-A-R-T, to that number, 305-745-7513, so I can rejoice with you. And I promise you, it, it, it's touching off. Angels are rejoicing over you. I like to think about that. Can you even imagine what it's like to, to have angels catching up, angels in the party of what's going on? It's an amazing, amazing thing. Open that gift this Christmas. Best decision you will ever make in your life. Alice, my love, will you come up and we'll pray? Ask Holy Spirit to come and then let people get on to their Christmas festivities. Undeterred. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. I might have said undeterred, but never mind. Holy Spirit, would you come and just move among us and meet people where they're at today. 
I pray that all of these Advent things that we're talking about, you would just fill people up with hope, with peace, and with joy, and with love. And that they would find that rest in you and their soul. Knowing, Jesus, that you've come. That you've rescued them. That you've recovered them. That you've reconciled them. And that they would somehow get a sense of just the overwhelming love of the Father. Wrapping them in their arms. In his arms. Kissing them. Saying, I love you so much. And that, that it would be with that that we move through these next days and celebrate Jesus, celebrate all that he's done. And Holy Spirit, would you, would you help us this week, every time we see Christmas lights, to think of the big story and this amazing love that you have for us. And let it put us immediately in your presence and in your peace. You're amazing, God. Amen. I have a confirmation that someone either in the room or online, you prayed that prayer. You said, Jesus, come into my heart and life. But before that, when Steve was talking about the son having a party thrown for them or a party when you come to the Lord, you thought to yourself, nobody's ever thrown me a party. But you did ask the Lord into your heart today and the angels did throw a party. And that's just confirmation for you because you had that thought. And then... um, Pastor Georgina said something so sweet. I don't know if you heard it, but she said, God sent Jesus so that we would know what he looks like. And that, that's going to hit somebody because it's, it's profound, simple, and true. Amen. Amen. Very good. Well, church, thank you for your amazing generosity, your faithfulness, and your tithe, and your gift, and your offering. Those of you watching online, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's how you give. Um, that way, and some of you too, digital giving is up there, or if you'd rather in the room, there are offering boxes on your way out. There's a couple there, and we mounted a couple out there on uh, either side of the door. So uh, thank you so much for doing that. And let's sing the doxology, and then we'll dismiss. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Thanks for watching online. If you're heading out of the facility, please go out these doors. They'll be open for you so you don't have to touch anything. Have a great day. Get out there. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. Be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. We love you guys. Thanks. Have a great Christmas. Come back Christmas Eve, and we will see you hopefully then. We just want to say goodbye to everybody watching online. Thank you for being a part with us. And we love our Vineyard virtual family. Hope you have a great Christmas. Come back Christmas Eve. Join us. We'll be, we'll be uh, live streaming all of these. And we hope to see you at them. And uh, we love you guys. See the lights this week. And be reminded, Jesus is the light of the world. And he loves you.
Merry Christmas, everybody. God bless you guys. Thanks for watching today's service from Keys Vineyard Community Church. Make sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.